On this week's episode of The Early Crow, we talked all things Dan Bowman, Dan Bowman Racing, his uh, love for NBA. Uh, Farjack joined us too. We kicked on together actually on Saturday night, but we didn't mean to mention that. But we also talked about what happened last weekend at the Cox Plate Carnival. Touched on the Golden Eagle, which is the big rich race up in Sydney this weekend. We went through the good races at Flemington for Derby Day. And don't forget to like and subscribe and follow our socials because our man Dan Bowman is going to give you a little bit of action for some NBA bets. So tune in for that. Hope you enjoy the show. Early Crow is sponsored by Custom ORTC. Go and get yours now from the links in our bios on Twitter and Instagram. It is the best hoodie around, I'll tell you that much. They handle everything from design, warehousing and shipping. Their Instagram is Custom by ORTC. And their email is customer at ortc.com.au. Welcome to the Early Crow, episode 11, a big one. We've got two guests on this week. The usual man who's sort of carried us in uh, perhaps his holidaying absence, Farjack is back, but also Dan Bowman, who trained two winners yesterday at uh, Bendigo, the, uh, the the nursery of champions. Um, if you didn't pick that up on the telecast, Rick says it every single time. But uh, the nursery of champions, Bendigo, Dan Bowman, welcome to the Early Crow. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, boys, for having me. Uh, didn't tip us at all that first winner. Did you have an inkling? 600 days between wins. Uh, she's she's a bit behind. She owes me a bit, so uh, a bit hard to be tipping her. Went went sort of um in his in his swan song, just just leaning heavily on the goat. Well, I never used to be able to get him, but uh, now he's announced for a time, and all the big stables have dropped off, and um you know he's happy to ride for us smaller blokes, so. It's happy to get a winner with him before he goes out. Uh, t- tell the listener a little bit like your background. So my understanding is kicked off uh, way back in the day uh, alongside uh, Group 1 trainer now, Mitch Friedman, with DK Weir down the bull or Ballarat. So just before that, I started with Kira Ma when he had Tears I Cry. Oh, yeah. I was, was working with him and, and he sent me to Lindsay Park for 12 months just to sort of fast track me with all the basics and sort of once I'd done that I came back here and I was working with Jared and um Weary asked me to um come and work alongside Mitch and Mitch was going to go overseas for six or 12 months and I was going to run the show when he left so um it sort of went from there and then Mitch come back and we we worked together for a couple of years and, and then we both sort of went off and did our own thing. How's that been? Where are you now? You're based out of Warrnambool. How many horses? Um, the journey a little bit and like how enjoyable is it? How hard is it? Well, it was, it was a good grounding, obviously, because we're both group one winning trainers in the iron right now. So we obviously uh, learned. Was there, the right was there any side betting on that? Like, is there like you get the first shout because I'm the group one trainer for the last sort of two or three years? <laughs> Has he just sort of got out of, out of that or anything? No, we, you know what he's like. We've sort of been... <laughs> Sort of been hanging shit on each other the last couple of this week and last few days comparing trophies from <laughs> races. He's reeling off a bar and beat cup and I got a trophy yesterday for benchmark seventy eight at Bendigo, so that'll go up on the shelf. <laughs> get the monopoly board like I saw all the jockeys get as well, or was that just for the jockeys yesterday? <laughs> yeah, Blake Shin gave his to me wife, so I don't know what he's playing out there, but um <laughs> he liked it. Shinny. <laughs> <laughs> so now we work about 27 28 um which is a comfortable number usually of that 27 28 about 
15 of them are up and racing and the rest are sort of young horses just coming through the system. So, you know, we, we might go to the races two or three times in a busy week, but then we, we could go a couple of weeks without a runner. So um, that's sort of comfortable for us. We've got two kids, so you've got to have a bit of a balance. Uh, we sort of connected initially. Well, you, you guide me at the yearling sales, but also we just have like, I think we have a shared sort of perspective on racing Twitter, the bubble that is racing Twitter. Um, how did you find, I found it fascinating yesterday, the water ride, Blake Sheen, like how good was that ride on that uh, good Kiwi import when he went up the guts up the inside? And you compare that to the racing bubble Twitter on Saturday on Antino. Does that not, per, is that not the perfect example of the bubble? Well, the bubble's just got this amazing, I don't know what it is, but it just can't see the real world. Like it's just its own <laughs> It's just its own thing and people are just so delusional. Like, yeah, it was a great ride, but, you know, it's millimetres off putting someone on the deck and being an absolute horror watch. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. He sucked the gap, gave the thing dropping back a bit of a brush on the way through. Like, you don't want your apprentices watching that and thinking that that's okay. You know what I mean? Yes, it yeah. won the race, but, you know, Jesus, it's a, it's a dangerous sport really dangerous and stuff like that as good as it was for the backers of the favorite yeah it's there's not much margin for error is there no not at all i reckon i said oh fuck me not again shitty before he went up the inside and <laughs> but then he got the job done so it was all right because <laughs> yeah, we were on um yeah, we're i on. know i know far know the answer to this but what was what was dan's first group one winner perhaps i don't know fucking audio <laughs> far i don't know either Sorry. Pass. I'm young. Be good name, to your mother. Best name, course. Be good to your mother. Real setup oh. job. How far away, like out from winning that group one, did you put that on the on the the agenda and just build towards it? Because it was a handicap that you won and you, you timed it to perfection. Yeah, so he won a 70 at Sandown on Easter Monday and won by like seven and in time too. And I knew then that was the perfect race for him because Rupert Clark is a really fast run 1400 and you need a horse that can absorb that high tempo and then quicken again. So I just set in place then to just keep ticking through the grades just to get his rating at the point that it was good enough to get me in the race, but keep me on the minimum. So beat the handicapper. And um, we got in with 52, I think, Two weeks, three weeks before I had the option of running him in the Memsey or the Open 1400. And I thought if he went to the Open and won again, it would push his rating, he'd get more weight. So we ran him in the Memsey. I think, I can't remember, maybe uh, Scales of Justice won it and we got beat three lengths. And I knew how much I had up my sleeve fitness-wise. I think I said to a couple of mates on the day, they will not beat him in three weeks' time. They're just there's not not a horse out there that can beat him. He's one of the best types I've ever seen. Just moving away from that scales of justice, he was a, like a phenomenal horse, athletic beast. Yeah, he um, was a freak. Should we start talking NBA because Dan's on the show, guys, to talk about NBA. It's been a big week in uh, NBA. We're starting to watch it a little bit as we. It sort of keeps you company if you've got enough TV screens as you start your your punning day on a Wednesday or a Friday or a Thursday or whatever it is. Uh, James Harden joins the Clippers. Paps, what do you reckon about this? You got you now you've sort of got four big dogs on one team, one ball, five blokes. There's only yeah. four four of them are superstars. 
Yeah, and I was we were talking about this the uh, the other day. Um, in the all the boys were training, and what was it Harden, George, um, Russell, and Kawhi Russell Leonard, and, and Kawhi Leonard. We were saying this the other day. The boys are having a debate about if they're going to be um Hall of Famers, all four of them. And I was like, geez, I'm not a big NBA fan, but they were having a great debate about that. But it's going to be a very interesting if they can uh, all mix and match and get it going. But it's a good, it's a definitely a star-studded lineup, isn't it? How do you manage? How do you, do you, you manage reckon? those big egos in in a in a change room? How would you manage them? It's uh, it's funny. We um we had a bloke come in last year talk about he actually worked at Brooklyn Nets and they're they're all about themselves. All the the big boys all about. He says they're all about themselves. It's all about I hit I want the ball. Um, like for Brooklyn last year it was obviously Durant and and then they had Kyrie and Kyrie Irving as well, who's a massive has a massive deal around all that stuff. Blood um, Earther. So too. it'll be very, <laughs> yeah, it'll be very interesting. It's um, who do you reckon? Who do you reckon takes the last shot out of them four, Dan? I think it's still Kawhi's team. Um, yeah, you, he was you on watched the first. Today. You watched the first half today. Like he was shocking yesterday, but he came out today, and I think that's his way of showing everyone it's still his team. Like he had twenty in the first quarter, nearly. So. He's still yeah. the best player in the team. And when he's on, he's still one of the best three best players in the league. But um, he's obviously yeah. just had a lot of injuries. Um, and so they've got to manage him a bit now. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm only, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm very inconsistent with the NBA, but it's uh, definitely an interesting time of the year with all the NBA stuff going on, the trades and all that stuff. I think that the trades and the content that the, the sport just creates and also because they champion like, they champion arrogance and confidence and me, me, me stuff. Like if it, it would not happen in Australia, but the way they do it over there just provides content all year round until you get to the playoffs. We chop people down that want to do that here. Like it's mm. it's like an Australian yeah. thing to do. If someone they, we we call them arrogant and cocky when you know it's just called confidence over there. You know, like yeah, it's it's coffee syndrome here. They they absolutely slam you if you say anything around like I'm the best or I'm gonna be the best or I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna win even before before the deal's done. You just get ripped apart over here by tall poppy syndrome. Have you that found one, that like, hard far like blending being an Australian, having an Australian audience, but trying to you, you you're cracking it in the American audience at the same time? So you got to blend yeah, it, I guess. Oh well, I just think that the Australian audience represents like less than 10% of my market. So why would I pander to them when I'm more, you know, it's more natural to me to be that bit more confident, bit more flamboyant and that sort of thing. Why would I waste my time? Like I've already got, already get the backing from the Australian audience that I get because I grew up here and because I still train here and I, I am Australian. So the, the older generation, I think with my generation, because of social media and because we all have grown up watching a bit more NBA and a bit more UFC, with my generation, you don't get as much of it. Whereas like my dad's generation, like I know some of my dad's friends would listen to the shit I say and just be like, oh, I can't believe he would say something like that. But <laughs> at the end of the yeah. day, that's not that's not my demographic. So I'm not really interested in pandering to them. Yeah, I think it's, it still happens now, perhaps in the NFL. Like if you, oh. if you did the pregame and said, I feel so good today, I reckon I'm going to get at least 20 touches and I'll probably kick four. And then you had You'd 14 be touches to kick two. Like, it'd be all over SEN all the next week. Like, oh, and calling yeah. the volcano either, like, until your ears are. <laughs> Mate, you, it would it's... be the worst. It would be the worst thing ever. Like, you'd be you'd be public enemy number one in the AFL if you said something like that, I reckon. Oh, mm. even 
I reckon even um, if you said it to to your coaches or something, geez, I'm feeling good today. Like I reckon I'm in for four today or something like. That. I, I sometimes say that when I'm laughing, and then don't touch it. So I sort of try to keep my mouth quiet a bit. <laughs> wouldn't want to see. Wouldn't want to see our WhatsApp before a Saturday's racing. <laughs> like half of them oh, already yeah, won. Anyway. Oh, that's um, that's just confidence, though. I've never started no. a Saturday on the punt and thought. You know what? It's it's a tough day. I don't know if I'm going to find any winners today. Like in my head, in my <laughs> yeah, been doing it long enough. Then in my in my head on a Saturday morning, every time I wake up, I'm just thinking, I I can't imagine that I don't tip the card today. I reckon I've had some of my best games when I've filled up in the punt. I'm just walking into the MCG or the SCG, absolutely buzzing, and I'm like, oh, we're on today, boys. Come on. <laughs> And the boy and the boys know it because they've got a smile on my face going, Oh geez, Pap's had a good day. Look at him, he's up and about. <laughs> oh, but anyway. Uh, Back good. to NBA, talk, talk, straighten talk. us up. <laughs> um, Dan. Yeah. Well, are there are there teams or or angles for us to have a little bet at like uh, like through this season? And how like hard is it sometimes? I'd assume it's tough. Like if you're setting yourself up for a long term position on like Denver or whatever, and now like Harden just flips and goes from the Sixers who aren't really a threat to this now super team. Must be tough to to set yourself to to win, build a book, long term NBA. Yeah, it can be. Um, last year was really difficult. Um, you know, I had Nikola Jokic last year moral to win the MVP, and then six weeks out, the American media started this storm of Joel Embiid should win it and because it's a voted award, they basically through the media convinced everyone that it should be Embiid and he and he won it. I was it was just ridiculous. And then Russell Westbrook was a dollar fifty for sixth man of the year and two months to go he gets traded and he starts the rest of the season so he's ineligible. So, you know, you've <laughs> got to be careful with those long range plays. But I I nailed a few last year. We got Denver five dollars to win the championship. Um Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man, he was $23. Um, so you can do it if you work the angles. But, yeah, when trades can get done right up to six weeks before the year's over, it uh, it changes a lot. Would you say that you you are, um... like your, your number one focus in life is actually NBA? Because, like, I was seeing you leading in horses, like when I used to lean over the mounting yard fence just still in yard, and you'd say, like, we'd be, you'd be talking about the NBA game that was going then and then, and you had a horse about to run. So horse racing is my job, which I'm okay at. Um, but NBA and basketball is my passion and what I like, love to watch. And um, I don't play anymore because my body's failed me. But my wagering would be probably 80% basketball um, and 20% racing. So I just find it there's more options, there's more angles. You get more information. Um, and I enjoy watching it and you get more value for your money. You get, you know, two hour game compared to a 60 or 90 second horse race. What I'll, angles I'll, are you taking? Are you taking over unders or what, or player props or what are you taking? As a, mostly yeah. player props, try and work the angles on player props. You know, um, there's a big difference between home and away when teams, there's some, it's like football, like for some reason, it, some players, when they go on the road, they just don't show up. NBA is no different. Um, so, you know, when a, when a good team plays on the road, they lean on their stars a bit more. Um, it's situational. And this year it's gotten a bit harder from the start because they brought in the new rules with um, 
with not being able to rest players for no reason, they're leaving it right up to game time to make them decisions. So it's you used to get the team announced an hour or two before the game and, and you had time to do your research and, and work your angles, but now they're doing it 10, 15 minutes before the game. So you've, you've got to be on the ball and get all the notifications on Twitter of who's in and who's out and, and the changes. But um, yeah, I just it's fascinating to me. Yeah, I was uh, I reckon I was following a bloke maybe last year or two years ago, and he bet just unders, um, because there's so many things that can go wrong in a game. You can get fouled out, you can team can be up by twenty points and get subbed off. Um, are you going over so player props overs or more unders or you just whatever you reckon? I'm usually an overs man. I just it's just something about playing want playing someone to have a bad game that just doesn't work well yeah, with me. I just, it's just not my go. A lot of people do it and are successful at it, and that's all they do. But I'm more of an overs man, and I'll try and find someone who's going to have a good game and, and be able to cheer for them to have a good game rather than a, pulling on someone's coattail. It's a lot harder to enjoy a game of NFL or NBA if you're on the unders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember cheering for blokes for missing. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you want it, you're basically wanting it to be a, an average game. like, yeah. And you're going to sit there and watch it. That's like two hours of pain. Like, hmm. Hmm. Well, I seen one of the all-time sick beats yesterday, Clarky. Um, he had a multi, little multi. He had Phoenix Suns to win into uh, interpretation, into Jimmy the Star, into uh, Vorban for the cup. Oh, and the Suns, Suns are up by Suns are up by twenty points, like halfway through the game. And we're we're sitting at the Randwick uh, Mountain Yard, and Durant's got the ball stolen. We've like. What, two seconds ago, and they've gone in and think he was just sick as they all come. <laughs> yeah, that was um, big Kevin yes. versus that number one draft pick. Uh, boys, yeah. we got out to the Cox Plate. Well, you went out, Manic, the old Manicato night, perhaps. Uh, Far and I were there. Far was there for track work, breakfast with the stars. Um, you were there Friday night, Saturday. You might have even gone Sunday to see if anyone was still there. I don't know. Um, yeah. Did Far have a tent out there? Was he camping out there? <laughs> you just rolled into whoever's tent you wanted. I've got to get it. I've got to rent a flat no. at Mooney Ponds, I reckon. I've got to get somewhere close. A spirit, yeah. spiritual <laughs> home for me, Mooney Valley. How'd you, what were the highlights from, from a big Cox Plate weekend, Far? Oh, mate. There was quite a few. Um, the, the Friday night, I think a highlight for me was that I managed, I said I was only going to have two beers and then go home. And I had two beers and then went home. And I thought that was a huge achievement for me because usually that Friday night, I do some damage to myself and then I'm really struggling getting up for Cox Plate Day. Whereas this time I was fresh, I was a fresh as a daisy for Cox Plate Day and it was it was great. Um, I managed to sneak myself down into the owner's yard for the Cox Plate, which was a nice little highlight. Um, and, you know, it's just good to see, you know, I, I had it wrong. I, did, I, had, I didn't think Romantic Warrior would win. And I'd, I'd said that during the week, I was against it. Um, but I think it was just one of those days where the best horses were at the front when they crossed the finish line. And that, that's like, if you're a racing fan, that's good to see, you know, it's, it wasn't good for me on the punt, that race in itself, but it was just a good day. Pretty amazing job, Dan. They've done the Hayes boys with Mr. Brightside, like, Good horse last prep and the prep before, but he's gone to a new level this preparation. They've done a phenomenal job. Oh, outstanding, you know, and and to take the horse all the way from when they got it through the grades, teach it to win, and they've just turned it into a winning machine now, you know. It's been beating a nose on the weekend. 
from the Cox Plate. Everyone was writing it off as a 2,000-meter horse. You know, uh, unbelievable. They're the type of horses that, you know, you dream about getting. Is Imperatories the best sprinter in Australia, perhaps? Yep. Uh, you boys, you you boys know I love Imperatories. Went there... The first we got with with that four eighty we got for her the first time I did the early crow when she yeah. ran over Giga Kick. I don't think we'll ever see that kind of money for her again. I just um, can't believe that she bounced through that obviously extremely brutal tempo that was way too quick, which was too much for Giga Kick, and somehow she got through that tempo and mm. managed to go on and win Group One after Group One. Like that's that's maybe her didn't biggest they, achievement. The tempo where didn't they go slower than Giga Kick's first up run at a thousand meters the last prep before that? I thought they did, and so did the data, but that's not what the narrative thought. Right? Were you were you in the were you there that day, Jack? You kicks first up run from the yard because you're a yard watcher. No, I wasn't. Oh, no, no. you weren't there either, Jack. Other Jack. No. So my, the people I spoke to said he was too fat. Yeah. 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 And uh, look, no knock on Clay, he's a great trainer. Um, but I suffered same sort of thing. Be good your mother had his great prep, went to the paddock, put on weight, which was just maturity and muscle. And I tried to train him the same, but because he was carrying that extra muscle, he was fat. Same thing, like gear kicks developed, gone from four to five, matured. And he just he just raced fat and blew up because they went he said it too much of a task. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um as far as uh, Imperatry is the best sprinter, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how you can make that call without seeing her line up against I Wish I Win and think about it. Obviously, I Wish I Win's gone to the paddock. We've got to think about it in this weekend. I think he's paying a dollar sixty or something like that. Buck he's... 80 versus uh, their other good or same trainer, same silks. Private eye. Private eye. Yeah. Yeah, just, just he's just an out and out winner and a superstar. And you can't, you can't compare the fields that Imperatrice is running against down here to that Everest field that he beat. But in saying that, the way she's winning, she could be anything and she could do anything. So I, I'd, I'd like to see him face off in the champion sprint. I don't know if we're going to get it. What, what, um, how do you? I've been thinking about it down the straight. I've been thinking about the good horses that, like, with really good horses, it just doesn't matter. They just go to the straight and they just go like. Black caviar and, and the likes. Do you reckon the same with Imperatrice? It's just going to go bang, or do you reckon it could go wayward or not like the straight? How do you look at it, Dika? I think she she would start favourite against him down the straight if they run in on Saturday week. One of the big factors that often will move a market and is a good indicator of the horses like potency down the straight is their like their closing speed because it's kind of like a thirteen hundred meter race if they run it properly. So they don't sort of jump and cuddle. They sort of just gallop in a way. Um, and yeah, she's, she's got the... It's a slow build, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. her her ability to like relentlessly be like one of the fastest closers of a day off any sort of tempo will, will hold her in really good stead down the straight. But she she hasn't done it and it will be like a, um, you know, it'll be a thing where the, the big boys will decide, you know, well, I want to see her do it for, for, before she does it. But I'd say if they met down the straight, in the champion sprint, she would start shorter than he would, but it'd be a great watch. Like that'd get you, that'd get you on track for sure to see something like that. That'd be huge. The yeah, we'll, we'll... back up though. No, They'll just do the right thing. I don't, I don't think he will. No, well, it, there's too much money on the weekend. Like if he wins again on the weekend, mm. like the money's one in three starts, he'll just go to the paddock again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I was really worried with what her behaviour pre-race on Saturday. 
you know, there's only what there's 30,000 or something like that at the Valley. And she was real stirred up before the race. Had a lot of trouble getting her to the gates. I know she flogged them, but you know, Flemington twice the crowd down the straight first time. Um, you know, there's a few red flags to me. I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they don't go with the Imperatrice. Do, do you reckon I, I even completely though... agree because they've been so disciplined with their preparation and they've done their job now. Do you reckon that Next Flemington year... isn't as bad in terms of crowd numbers because of the way the setup is? Like the mounting yard at Mooney Valley is so in tight and it feels like they're stacked on you. Whereas at Flemington, it's a bit more open and it, there's, I know the crowd's bigger, but I don't know if it would feel like it from inside there. Yeah, but they're, well, Dan speak to this more than me, but they're, they're kind of like boxed and confined all the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, We've, I, I've seen horses go go bad more often at Flemington on Cup Week than anywhere. Yeah, right. From the yard, for Makes whatever sense. reason. Would you agree with that, Dan? What was that, sorry? I've seen horses go off in the yard pre-race more often at Flemington than anywhere that I've ever seen. Yeah, well, they seem to like Caulfield because I think at Caulfield they can sense that they're about to just the tracks just over the fence. But there's like that they've got that little like all the roses and the big hedges and they have to go through the crowd again and they just get a bit. Yeah, well, oh, cup, and Cup Week they're in there longer. There's more people. You got the chopper above the drones. Like remember, it, it's our is it's our time. Danny O'Brien's kicked the fence and knocked it over, running it going out and nearly killed a kid a couple of years ago. So, yeah, it's a bit of a worry for me. I'd want to, I wouldn't be having a bet in the race until they're behind the gates. You know, I've got a theory with, um, does next year, because Walker, the trainer wanted to keep Imperatrice in Melbourne, do they go base in Sydney next year and go for the Everest? And just stay there and do, do go for an Everest? Or I think she'll be at stud by thing? next I think she'll be at stud by next spring. Yep. She'll come back, run in the autumn, and then she'll she'll they'll either go to stud or they'll sell her and someone from Japan will pay five million for her. Righto, eyes on ponies. We kick off at Rose Hill for some of the biggest prize money of all time to try and compete with Derby Day. They don't need to. If I was running that joint, I would have spent no money. Eyes are already on me. Everyone wants to bet. So you've got I'm drawn to the races because of Flemington's beautiful Derby Day card and I can just I can just tax that turnover my end. I would have done that. Anyway, you do you. Big race, ten million dollar race, the Golden Eagle, um, four year olds and up or four year olds only. Uh, our man Dan Mitch Friedman's had to just scratch attrition. Uh his group one winner last start, um, gone off a little bit in or kicked out or some such. He's got a sore leg, he's been put away for a spell. Um, but he's done his job this preparation. Uh, the the focus of this horse, Tom, is this race. Tom is uh, Amelia's Jewel, who was a very short price favourite in Attrition's Turak. Um, wasn't blessed, but wasn't. It was poor, but it had that really short SP. Uh, it now backs up into this race. Thoughts on this race, particularly Amelia's Jewel, Tommy. Yeah, it's a very interesting one. I reckon I haven't fully uh, done the race or anything, but. Obviously, um, Amelia's jewel. I know, I know, Fire love, loves her, so uh, he might be able to touch on it. Um, but yeah, it's obviously first time Sydney way for Amelia's jewel. It, although it, to the eye, it probably didn't um, look that good. Uh, the the guineas was it? Sorry, Turak. Um, Turak, sorry, sorry, Turak. Um, but on the data, it's still a pretty good run. Um, 
obviously it's it's equal favorite. There's a fair bit of money for um the top the top weight Hawaii five zero. Um, but yeah, good good gate for good gate as well. Barrier five lane on. I think she's a really good chance as the market shows. Um, but I would probably off just the form. I think I'd probably nearly lean towards Hawaii five zero as um Espiona's coming out of the Everest. Everest form looks pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting race. I haven't fully dived into it. Provolica draws barrier sixteen. Had a really good run last start, but drops back to fifteen hundred. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting race. There's a, also a Japan horse first up. Uh, how does that how does that go? Barrier two, does it get sucked up inside? What was that Japan um, horse called, please, mate? Um, Ramama. <laughs> <laughs> Got him gone. Tell you story, walking power. Um, um, yeah. The Japanese horse. I probably yeah. shut down Canterbury for three months for it. So hopefully it runs a good race. Um, Dan, oh, far, but yeah. far. You're a big Amelia's jewel man. Massive Amelia's man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with her here. And, you know, I'm, I'm emotional, emotionally invested in the horse. I spent a fair bit of time with Simon Miller when he was down here in Melbourne. Um, and love the setup here. Love Frosty on. Uh, it's the exact same setup that we had. We saw with I Wish I Win last year. You know, uh, a so-so performance in the Turak handicap didn't blow anyone away with the run, but wasn't super disappointing either. That was exactly the prep that uh, I wish I win had going into this race um, back to 1500. I think she'll have the turn of foot. You know, she goes back in gate five. Now I think it's a, it's a setup for her to win. And I hope the money keeps coming for Hawaii five Oh, and we can get a better price behind the gates for her. Gets the golden switch. Dan, what do you reckon? How much work? Jack, she done Sydney direction. Do you know being sort of in the in the stable? I don't know. I don't know. I I I know that they took her immediately after the Tourac run. They were running on all the off days when they were going the other way at Flemington. So that was from the right away after the run at um in the Tourac. I don't so know. It's... I couldn't tell you though. You could probably speak to it a little bit better in terms of getting a horse ready to go the other way, whether that's a lot of time or a little amount of time or some horses just pick it up. I know Simon did say that she just switches legs beautifully and, and Frosty even said that she has no trouble with it. But that's that the key lot? thing, Dan, isn't it? Not like we just You just want to hope that your horse gets on the right leg. Yeah, I wouldn't think a good horse like her would have any issue. Um, look, from a training perspective, the way I read the prep was she had a soft kill first up. Then she went to a really hard run race and on a two-week turnaround to a Turak off a hard gallop on the Tuesday with the shades on, she was entitled to be flat in the Turak, in my opinion. Um, look, I didn't find the winner, but I couldn't have her in the Turak on that platform. Now she's had the good gap to runs and drawn a gate. I think she'll blow this lot away. Like, Legato's a query, Sydney direction, flying over. I just think she's better than this lot. I think she'll land... First half of the field, as you need to around Rose Hill, and if if she gets clean air from the top of the straight, good luck catching her. How good's D Lane too? He in form and just one of the greats too. I think he's just behind Ryan Moore as one of the best jockeys in the world. Like he goes to Japan, rides Group One winners. Goes to Hong Kong, rides Group One winners. Like goes to Dubai, rides Group One winners. So the bloke's just a jet. Yeah, like even he's ride on um, the really nice filly for Price Kent. Charm stone in the golden rose, like it held up, but like gave it almost every possible from an awful spot. He's so good. I agree with everything you say. It's the perfect, perfect setup. It's a, it's also a form line that we can trust from last year. I, I think she's 
I think she should start sort of three dollars. I'm going to have a bet, and I don't often bet in Sydney. Um, should we head now? We've already sort of spoken about the sprint race. It's basically Joe Pride versus Joe Pride. Um, good luck to him. Any other thoughts yeah, on that race? I, I think um, around the two dollars thirty mark, Bellini Patini can run a good race as well. Two dollars thirty the place. Um, you can even bloody have a little cheeky trifecta or whatever you reckon, but with the one, four, and six. But yeah, I think Bellini Patini was a good run. Um, last start and can run a race here for a place. You're a big Bella man, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I reckon I wanted to go to the um Manicato and just yeah. exact a job to exact a job it yeah. um with Imperatrice, but they didn't go there, so stayed up there. But so did yeah, Far because Far loves Far gets a lot of lead in the pencil for for a, a horse that's shown the like a thirst to to get around the valley, which she's 100%. done. Yeah. I went to a bookie. I asked. Yeah, I listen. I listened. I asked a bookie, yeah. I reckon, six weeks ago if somebody would give me a market for um, uh, for Imperatrice to run first and Balanipatina to run second in the Manicado. Uh, and they were like, no, nah, no chance. And then lucky I didn't anyway because they ended up going somewhere different. Oh, well, they lost, didn't they? Idiots. <laughs> I didn't take it. <laughs> right, let's head to Flemington headquarters, Derby Day. Uh, the best card of racing each and every year. One of the great days. You're heading out. Who's heading out, Dan? Uh, I'll be at Royal Mortlake for Royal their Mortlake. once a year carnival for the last race on Derby Day. <laughs> well, best of luck. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be dodging uh, pedestrians on the way out trying to get home after the last at the float on. They'll be all wandering back into Mortlake full as a state school. So I'll be trying not to run anyone over. <laughs> <laughs> Should we be backing this said horse? And what is it? Uh, it's one of the Neville Beggs, actually. Uh, Graham had it. Probably wasn't good enough for over that side of the state. So he never asked if I'd tried over here at a few weaker venues and second last start. And it's set up for the sad day blinkers on 2000, Mortlake. Um, if it can't win there, I'm in a bit of strife. What's it called? Scottish Gold. Scottish Gold. There you go, punters. Um, far, I assume you're like, you're a dollar. I've, I've not even taken bets you're going Derby Day. Yeah, I'll be there. And perhaps what are you doing for Derby Day? I'm just going to have a quiet day at Gold Eagle with the punters club. This should be good. A <laughs> quiet day, yeah. Quiet day. Get out Let, of the pack. Let's kick <laughs> off with Don't it. forget, we were on the FaceTime on Saturday. Me, <laughs> you and Dicko. It was a quiet day. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't had a quiet day since um, since Carlton got over top of him. Uh, group three, race <laughs> three. That's where we're kicking off. It's 1,100 metre race for the Mares. Um, there seems to me to be a stack of speed south of Houston, Arch 2, Oh, H2O, H2O, punters, apologies. Hypothetical, red card. What the hell's going on? Red card, uh, starlight scope, speed, speed, speed. Far, what do you like here? Um, I, I like the favorite here over 1100. Um, I think Rose Court's last two runs, both at Caulfield, have been with merit given that both of those days they weren't making a whole lot of ground and, and was a little bit back in the field and finished off strong for two seconds. Um, I am going to go with Rose Courts on top here. Uh, and I just think last win was a while ago um, at Flemington, but it was down the straight as well. So keen to stick with her and see if she can get it done again. And I think 380 is a pretty good price. See dancers uh, stamped the form last Saturday or Friday, whenever it was at the Valley, killed them. Um, Friday night, I reckon it was. Are you concerned about the inside draw down the straight? Oh, you never know with how the track's going to play until we get there on the weekend, but I think she'll be all right. 
I thought if I had to bet in that race, I'd lean to the eight hypothetical for uh, the J Carr, the out of form J Carr, who's eventually going to have to come in form. We yeah, hope. she's she's due to ride a few winners. So race four is the next race. Dan, you got one here. What is it, and why do you like it? Yeah, I like the Warnable Horse Triple Missile. Um, I thought a stronger rider might have got it home first up. Um, big I'd, jockey I'd change here for J Mac. Um, and it loves a straight, and I just think Spacewalk's a bit of a cat, and uh, Chain of Lightning <clears throat> needs it a bit bit of giving the ground. So I think it sets up good for Triple Missile. I think he's a really classy sprinter. I wouldn't be surprised to see him win this and, and potentially go the Rupert Clark or go to Perth for a winter bottle. Two from t- two, two, two starts this track and trip, two seconds, which is a big tick for, the, for your horse. Inside barrier concerns me, but I agree with you. Maybe the greatest ever trial I've seen on a racetrack in my life, this horse last start, but concerned the inside draw. I, I'm going to forgive trust and be with Spacewalk here. I, I think you're getting a bigger price than you should because J-Car's riding and it's just going to sit there. It, she she can't not be in the right sort of lanes. There's good speed around her. Gravina, It's Our Time, who is a straight track horse. Um, that's Cess Managi. Say Majik. Say Majik. Well, they're going to go flat out here. Like that Na- Najim's a hail. It just only knows one way. Just Jumped out well out. too, Najim, but I just find it hard to cop. Like if it wins, I will spew up. No, it, I it can't it win. To, I backed it to win at Mooney Valley Race. It's like, that's like, it's 10 lengths softer than this race. So Najim, so hail, hail the great man. Um, Nice jump but out. It guarantees a, guarantees a genuine tempo. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I just yeah. think I think triple missile can sit closer than spacewalk off a genuine tempo, and spacewalk's not a line chaser, so that's why we're in the triple missile team. We love line chasers at the early crow. You need to be a line chaser to win good races. When do we um like? I know obviously everyone gets out of form. I couldn't get a kick for six weeks this year. Jamie's obviously out of form. When do you start? Do you jump off, or is it going to turn for her? What, what's what way you looking at? Is, is, is I saw she was out of form, I reckon, three weeks before that that ride. Like the Stretton Angel ride was the sort of ride of like it wasn't her. Uh, and then you try and dodge when you can. But eventually, more often than not, trainers and jockeys go up and down and they all sort of revert to like their, their par. And you want to try and catch them when they're coming up and everyone's off them. And mm-hmm. it's a tough time to, to bounce back. It's as good a racing as there ever is. But... She's capable. We know that. And, you know, I, I certainly don't want to be on anything she rides. It's going to be worse than midfield ever. But that was the sort of same way I, I read her when she was airborne. You know, she gets horses to travel deluxe. And that might suit like a, a, a bit of a nonny like spacewalk because it'll be up thereabouts. It doesn't sort of have to make a stack of ground and savage a line. It's just sort of got to keep going. And I hope that um, Triple Missile if I'm against it, which I probably am, just get sort of held up, those horses on the inside and a bit of a ruck because there's General Bow, there's Najim Sahail potentially stopping. That's how I read that race. But the next race we're going to talk about, Coolmore Stud Stakes, race six, 1,200-metre group one for the three-year-olds. This race is potentially, like, legitimately worth more than the Everest for connections because whoever wins this is <laughs> very, 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 very wealthy human being with stud fees and, and stallion prospects. Um, Far, what do you got here? 
two, two. Um, I like Shinzo. Uh, I think Shinzo's due here. I think on on best performance, if it runs up to his peak, he's right right there for this race. Um, good barrier, J Mac on. So uh, forgive for his last couple of runs, and I'm going to be with Shinzo. And then the other one, I just think a little bit of an unknown is uh, Osmosis. Big brute of a horse, and I think the straight might suit him uh, just to sort of get out, get into a gallop and then let down. It could be the kind of style of run that he's been looking for to really run up to this class of horse with these superstars. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with the, the Sydney form here. I don't know about how Stapati or Stretton Angel or Arkansas Kid, any of these sort of Melbourne horses are going to shape up against the Sydney form. Perhaps got a view. Yeah, I'm, uh, I like osmosis as well. I'm, I, uh, We've already backed it, Dicko, but yeah, I, yeah, I backed it. it. I backed it first up and second up, um, and was going to go to the Everest and didn't. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm keen to be with Osmosis. Uh, I've got a soft spot for Cylinder. It's been a good horse to me, um, but yeah, I'll be siding with Osmosis each way. What do you make of V8, Dan? Like its PB performance this prep is, is a 1200 meter run first up, and then it sort of fell off. It's had that little cheeky jump out down the straight with Shinzo. It didn't look as good as Shinzo, but it's only a jump out. Uh, maps to be a bit forward, nice and grandstand side. Like it, it's one oh. of the, the the bubble will just erupt if he can, you know, take it from a from a guineas path to winning a Coolmore. They will just be horned up to larks in the bubble <laughs> if he pulls it. Like there's so many potential narrative opportunities from this race. Like if the party for the battlers off a guineas prep, with you, blah blah blah. Talk to me yeah, about V8 just... though. The entertainment of watching one of the uh, owners of Stepati on Twitter in the racing bubble post race is, is worth its weight in gold entertainment-wise <laughs> for a Saturday night over a glass of red. But um, the last 23 years has only been two horses running the guineas and win this race, and they were Weekend Hustler and Alingi. Now, no disrespect to the three horses that are trying to do it on Saturday, but they aren't in the same category as those two. So it's rarely done. You've got to be an absolute freak show to do it. And this looks and like a strong addition to me as well of the Cornwall. It looks extremely strong. I've the Golden Rose form is always stronger than the Guineas form, and it's easier to run in a Golden Rose and come back to a Cornwall than it is running a Guineas. It's just one of those things. It's really hard to do. You only get one Grand Final, and I think this is Shinzo's Grand Final. Whereas I think for Cylinder, his Grand Final was the Golden Rose. Then they've gone the Everest. Now they're trying to go again. I'd have to be with Shinzo as well. I, I really like one here, but I'm concerned about the inside draw. So I wouldn't bet if you're listening and you're just going to do whatever I say, you wait and you see, you want to see if uh, Triple Missile wins race three, then you probably have a bet. But King's Gambit drawn inside is a juicy price. I could almost make it favorite. I agree with Dan that Shinzo is um like pretty bomb-proof. That jump out was real sexy. The preparation just screams Uncle Chris. This is what I want. This is the one we wanted, and and he is very, very, very good. But as Pap said, I've already had a little bet, and that is uh, the eleven Osmosis because I, I like King's Gambit, so I have to lock Osmosis. Osmosis started half its price last time they met. King's Gambit beat it, but the market said that Osmosis was twice as likely to win that race. So I lean to Osmosis as a bet. I've had it. Uh, I'll probably back King's Gambit, and I'm likely going to have something on Shinzo. Um, I'll be I'll be sick if Stratton Angel wins this race, considering that we took ten dollars that day for it to win against the Phillies, and that was when 
the lady we've just been speaking about was very kind to her. Um, wasn't able to get it done. I'd be absolutely sick. But I think Stratton Angel's a really good horse with a good amount of ability. But it's a fat race. I, I wouldn't be surprised if much of them won, to be honest. Um, that'll do us for the cool mall. Let's head to race seven, the Derby. Can Walla, is, is this, it's pretty simple, isn't it, Far? What do you think? I, I don't think it's simple at all. I think there's a, I've got, I don't have Riff Rocket on top. Um, uh, you know, he jumped out of his skin at Flemington on Turnbull Day um, and then was a little disappointing at Caulfield last start. Um, I think there's a few ways you can look at this. Personally, um, uh, the gate the gate has, you know, turned me off a little bit, but I was keen to stick with sunsets. Um, on Caulfield Day, I was in the yard there and I messaged um, Trent Busted and I said, geez, sunsets has come on a bit in the yard. He looks fit. And he messaged me back with not a lot of confidence and said like, oh yeah, he'd need to be a lot fitter to beat the fate, to beat Waller's thing. And uh, so I only backed it small and then it, it got past it and won. And I messaged him and I said, I should, I should have had a bit more of a crack at it. You didn't fill me with a lot of confidence then. He goes, oh, well, it's good. And by all reports, There's a big lesson in that for everyone listening. There's a real big lesson. There's a massive lesson in that for everyone listening. Just ignore what they say. Just you do you. Yeah, yeah, true. Especially Um, when you're a tipper machine. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Won't stop you. Well, Trent's a a tipper machine and Johnny O'Neill's a tipper machine. So, yeah. (laughs) If they're not tipping it and it's winning. hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Sun, I like sunsets. Um, I also like gold bullion. Um, when it started a few starts back, um, Blake Shin got off it and sort of said, this thing wants further. Um, it, 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 it'll go good in a derby. Um, so Opie Bossin goes on and uh, its form's been enough for me to back it. So I'm going to have two small goes, one at sunsets, one at gold bullion. And then I'll probably just sit back and watch and see if Rocket beats him by six lengths like I did last time out at Flemington. Dan, got a view here? Oh, I might have a little one by three on air assault, the Adelaide horse. I just Great thought day. he had to do a lot of work last start to get into a spot, very hot tempo. Um, and he was picking up and going again through the line late um, from a cozy draw, Benny Allen. I think he can get a nice run and switch off the first half of the race, fourth, fifth in the run. He'll, he'll be staying, he'll be running out the trip and, and I think he's a genuine stayer. So, that's sort of half the battle. You can find one that can run the trip. Started the same price as Apulia did too last week, and you're getting a big difference now. I, the chink that Apulia has is that it's it's gone quick back up, quick back up now again, which is a big concern for these horses. Like this is, you don't know if any of them are going to stay, but that's a big concern. Verdad, I love this horse, but like they weren't even sure about going to a guineas. This is just like afterthought after afterthought. Graze me up a little bit, but I think he's, probably the most talented horse in this race. I agree. Air Assault's a, a really sound way to bet this race. Um, but uh, the only thing I can, the only chink I can find with Riff Rocket is just buy American Pharaoh. Otherwise, it's just one of the simplest bets of all time. It's drawn perfectly. It's the best trainer, the best jockey. SP Profile's a massive, massive tick. I'm not, I'm like, there was zero intent last start. It was just like another run. Um, if he gets the trip, he'll be winning, I think. And I think he's he'll start. I reckon he could start sub two bucks, Riff Rocket. Um, that's how I see it. I'll probably build a spot Riff Rocket and have something on 
air assaults. I'm lining up with Dan there. Perhaps you got any views this race? Yeah, I thought Riff Rocket, but I, I hate diving into short things over the staying trip, especially the young horses. So I don't know. I'll uh, I'll probably wait in the day, but I don't mind air assault at the price as well. If um, you and Dan like it, I might have a little nibble there. This is one of this. This race is the most uh, torturous beat I've ever had in my life. I had all my all my all ups um, landing on um, young Verta to to just to win oh. and a bit of place this race when like I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and um, got knocked off by Dennis Pagan and um, Johnny get angry, which never won another race. Get angry. Unbelievable. Oh. I was in my daughter's room now, which is my office, and it might have been a tear. Anyway, it never, it never looked like losing that Johnny get angry when it loomed up and it was still on the bit at like 300 to go. I just went, this, this thing's going to win. Yeah. That's the problem though. When you do, <laughs> when you do it properly and you like, you like, you do your data, you kind of get like fucking tortured twice. Cause then the data comes through on the Monday and you're like, Oh my God, they fucking, they went 15 lengths below benchmark. No wonder oh. that shit horse is able to sprint with it. Didn't they kill everything out of that race too? They all went up in the ratings, and I reckon that all of them took like three years to win another race. Like, the oh, fuck me mentally. Like, like the next, the next year, Verda. I think it was the next year. Young Verda started ten dollars in a Caulfield Cup. Yeah, that's like. Oh, anyway, anything else we want to go over for the early crow? Paps episode eleven. Been a big one, but been a good one. Been a good one. Um, we didn't do play, viewer play questions today, this actually. week. We forgot about viewer questions. Um, Shout out to, to the Roycey. Probably uh, need to be better, mate. I know you've been busy. but I'll just have a question. Maybe some of the punters might be interested in this one. Dan and Dicko, um, your thoughts on um, the Empire Rose. Um, do you think Wishlaw Lass on the quick backup is is any chance here? Um, and what do you think about the the two top ones in the market, Princess Grace and a tissue? Princess Grace really grabbed me up. I thought she was a 1,400-metre horse. Her run in the Maccabi Diva, she had every chance and, and just ran up their backsides. Um, I'm not sure about her at the mile. Uh, I haven't seen enough of a tissue in Sydney. I'm not sure how Flemington's alcohol freeze track. Um, I'd love to see one of the two Warnable horses win it. Wishlaw Lass just continues to improve and, and so is Roke to Arataki. So I can't bet into the race. I would have loved to have seen Madame Pomery there and would have had something on her. But um, I don't know where she's going. She might lob in the mile on next Saturday against the boys. Well, has done that a few times. Um, so I'll be cheering for the two Warnable horses. Uh, Wishlalas is a really tough horse, just continues to improve when they raise the bar. Um, and yeah, Rotarataki's last two have been really impressive. So I think Rotarataki's almost been very, very good every start this prep. Like it was genuine excuses when she fails. Or, and, and when she fails, she doesn't really fail badly. Um, but they're all sort of half in form, but they're all been racing against each other in their own sex. I, I try and find horses in these sort of races that come from the right races. So like um, a tissue and hope in your heart are coming from the King Charles against Mr. Brightside, who almost won a Cox plate. So I, I think that's the form you need to be with. And they're the two horses I'd probably lean to. Hope in your heart from one will probably kick up. You hope you pray to God from midfield if you back it and you're on. And a tissue, it's that, that that horse is just have a bet and sometimes it'll explode and piss in like we've seen and sometimes it'll sort of just get through its gears. So they're the two horses I'd lean to in that race for sure. So if people want to come racing with you potentially into the next yearling or or where can they find you on Twitter to see your NBA spats? What's the, uh, what's the best way to get in contact? 
I'll just jump in. The best way to do that would be go to the yearling sales. So like go to the, if you're in Victoria, go to, go to the premier sale and just go and talk to Dan, the nicest bloke on the sales complex by a mile and very easy to have a and, chat with. And the most honest. Yeah. Which you won't find many honest people at a sales complex. <laughs> <laughs> but how do they find you if they want to race so, on with you? Probably the website's the best, you know, uh, most of my Twitter stuff is NBA related or just talk and dribble for like most racing people, but, um, get on the website. There's a link there that you can, um, contact the stable if you're interested. Um, yeah. Righto. That's, uh, episode 11 wrapped up, uh, brought to you by ORTC custom. Um, we'll see you next week.